great. Now, would you like a lectern or um, something? No, that's fine. I'll just grab the... All oh, right, okay, great. It's just... Thank you. Um, wow, how awesome. Can you just feel the presence of God in this place? Um, I'm going to go straight into the word that God's given me, and I'll share my story um, throughout it. So if we could, uh, when you're ready, just have the first slide from my one, the PowerPoint. <laughs> my one. No, that's, that's Anne's. <laughs> so while he's doing that, so I'll give you the, um, the, the bit of my wholeness name. So God's, do we know that God has a sense of humor? Sometimes his sense of humor is not like our sense of humor. But you know he's rolling around in the clouds when he finds things funny. So um, when I became a Christian and um, within the first few years, I used to run from women which is just ironic that God would have me um, help women. <laughs> I find it easier to be around men than I did women. Um, but I ended up um, running our women's uh, ministry um, quite early on. And uh, I was saying to the Lord, what do I call this ministry? And he said a call to wholeness, which was wholeness as in WH, wholeness. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice name. So I called the ministry a call to wholeness and I was ministering and doing what I was doing for years and then in 2006 the Lord said um, prepare yourself your husband's here and I was like no <laughs> you were talking to the wrong person because I had this agreement with God that I didn't want to be a nun in the official nun capacity as in the whole outfit I liked to dress up so I was like I'm going to be a nun but it'll just be me and you, God. That's my, that's my agreement and covenant with you. I'm not getting married. I'm not getting in no relationship. It's going to be me and you for the rest of my life until you decide you're fed up and you take me home. <laughs> and um, so when he says your husband's here, I was like, no, you can't be talking to me because we have this agreement. And I know I signed the contract and I'm sure you did. And uh, he obviously didn't. And he, he, I ran from 2006 till 2008, until he showed me my husband and he says, that's your husband. And I say, he's not my husband, I'm sorry. <laughs> you did one thing right, which was I like my men tall, dark and handsome. And he was tall, dark. To me, he wasn't my kind of rugged, handsome. He is now, I find him very attractive. But at the time I was like, no, it's not happening, sorry. No, no, no. And then he, I ran for about a year until he cornered me in Tunisia. I decided to escape for a holiday for three weeks. And uh, that's when he used the opportunity, knowing I'm trapped for three weeks <laughs> and I can't run anywhere else. And um, by the last day before I was flying back home, God said, declare that he's your husband. And I had to declare. I didn't have to, but I knew that I needed to get into his will. And I declared that he was my husband. I didn't know his name at that point. I just knew his first name. I didn't know his surname. And it wasn't until um, we, I got back home and I said to the Lord, I'll only get married to him, but if you speak to him, I'm not going to go and say, God said, I'm your wife. <laughs> it's not happening. Sorry. So um, two weeks after I got back from Tunisia, you know, when you see someone and you know that they know, it was that look. And he said, um, 
is it okay, I'm just going to drop a friend off at the airport and I call you afterwards, I really need to talk to you. And at that point you're like, where can I run? Where can I run? um, I'm going to a friend's, but if if I'm free, then yes. And um, he rang me and then we started to go out from June. And that's when I found out his surname. And I looked up and I went, you think you're so funny. So all those years of going a call to wholeness and he's like, yeah, you're going to be Mrs. Wholeness. So that's a bit of my, um, the other bit to that. So through his eyes is the word that God gave me. If we can go to the next slide, please. So this is a little bit about me. So 20 years of um, suffering, uh, domestic abuse. It started from the age of five and escalated up until I left home, which was three months before my 21st. The age of seven, I was getting sexually abused Um, at the hands of my cousin to start with and then members of my family. And I remember going through life, um, as you can read there, uh, every person pretty much in my life I suffered at the hands of. My grandfather, my mum's dad, uh, fell in love with me when I was born and he protected me and that was my first encounter of true love. And um, he passed away when I was five, and that's why the abuse started from five. Um, it escalated until I managed to escape two forced attempted marriages. Uh, the first one, they tried to marry. Now, disclaimer is, I'm a brummy born and bred girl. Like, am I proud? I think I am proud. Have I got a strong Birmingham accent? Don't say yes. Because you won't hear no more of my story. <laughs> So, Brummy Girl, so I, the furthest we ever traveled was London. I didn't go further than that, and that was occupied by family members. So, when they tried to marry me off to a 14-year-old boy in India, I was like, oh, come on. Like, I couldn't have been that bad. And I managed to get out of that one. That was God helping me out, and um, I escaped the first time because my uncle had beat me quite bad when the boy's visa got declined, and threatened that they were going to take me to India and I'd have to marry the boy off and I'd have to stay in India. So I I left home and I managed to stay away for about a month until I came back home. And um, during that time, they promised me the world, but secretly had planned how they were going to kill me because I had dishonored them. And um, thankfully for me, my friends had stepped in and called the police or called my house pretending to be the police every day for about a year. And for that whole year, my family never touched me. And by then, they um, met this guy. Him and his family had came over the day that I met them. I was engaged to this guy. And wedding was set. And now, three months before my wedding, um, that was the last time I saw my family, I was taken out of the house in an ambulance. My parents tried to kill me. My mum and uncle tried to drown me in the bath. And I'd suffer for hours of abuse um, to the point where my body had gone into shock and started to shut down. And I knew that they were going to kill me. And I remember screaming in in my mind at that time, God, help me. And I managed to get out. And um, in and out of women's refuge, family kept finding me. I had to keep moving. Um, Battered women's home, open homes, hostels, you call it, name it. I've been in there. Um, Left home with absolutely nothing other than a vest top and a toothbrush. My parents and my mom had cleared out my account because it was a joint account that I had. wasn't allowed my own money. And um, 
the cash that I had, I kept as a, an emergency in my purse all the time, just in case I needed to ever escape. Um, while I was in hospital, they emptied out all my stuff. So there I'm thinking I've got at least 10,000 in the account and about a grand cash in my bag, just in case, left with not a penny to my name. But God is a good God. And um, I'm here today with a bit more than a penny. <laughs> And um, so suffered for years. Then, unfortunately, when I left home, um, the partners that I located and, and found and got attracted to were all the wrong ones, and the abuse carried on. And over my life, suicidal for years. Um, if you can go to the next slide for me, please. So, through my eyes, I absolutely hated myself. And never looked at myself in the mirror for years. It would be uh, when you go to put your makeup on, it's quite uh, right. I'm just focusing on my eyes at that time and my lips at that time. But I wouldn't look at myself in the mirror. I hated myself. I self-harmed. I um, abused myself in every sense of the word. Had no worth, no value, no nothing. Hated the fact that I was awake every day. I would wake up every morning and cry because I'm alive again. And have to go through another day. Pray to my um, to the gods that were with me at the time, or what I thought, and pray to my grandfather for just begging him to take me to wherever he was. Every night, went to bed with the same ritual, same routine. Every morning, get up and go into a deeper depression. I had so many deficits within me that I would try and fill them with whatever I could: smoking, drinking, sleeping around. At one point, became a drug dealer because <laughs> that's what you do um, when you've got nothing else to do with yourself. And um, even doing that, you know, when you've got this voice in the back of your head and you know the things that you're in aren't really you, but you're trying to fit a gap. And that's what I was trying to do. Became anorexic, had no identity, no destiny, no nothing, no ambition. And I couldn't understand why God hated me so much that he, I felt like he was punishing me because he won't even let me die. Every suicide attempt that I had failed. I'm glad now at the time was like, why won't you let me die? So that was through my eyes. If you could go to the next one for me. This is through his eyes. So he would look at Isaiah's wife. Goma, and still choose her. Could you imagine the lifestyle that she was living? But he would tell his prophet to go and find her and marry her and have children. And yes, it represented what the land were living like, but he chose her. And even when she left Hosea went and carried on doing what she was doing. He sent him back to go and get her. Then you look at the likes of Esther, who's an orphan, who's brought up by Mordecai, but then became a queen. Sarah, actually the only female that God changed her name. And even at her late stage, had a destiny 
far bigger and greater than she had ever even imagined. Deborah, female judge. Ruth, a widower. Actually left everything that she had known growing up, bowed down to, lived by, culture, all the rest of it. But still decided to make a decision and step to the other side and commit. And through that commitment, I mean the great-grandmother of David. When I look through my eyes, I saw dirty, filthy, no good, no worth, no value of Raj. I saw every mistake that I'd made, never mind my family, the things that I knowingly took part in and done and participated in. And God is still saying, I want you. I choose you, irrespective of how you feel about yourself, irrespective of what you think about yourself, despite what has been spoken over you, in you, and around you, despite what's been done to you, I choose you. I choose you. So when we can get to that place where we no longer see ourselves through our eyes, because sometimes the way that we see ourselves is distorted. You know, if only I was a little bit taller, if only I was a little bit slimmer, if only my hair grew a little bit longer, if only my eyesight was like this, if only we all have those, or is it just me? We all have those. We always can look at somebody else and go, oh, that outfit looks wonderful. And then we go and buy the same thing and then it looks nothing like it did on the other person. Through our eyes, we see based on from where we're at. And sometimes if we haven't dealt with the hurt and the pain and the trauma of what we've experienced, we see distorted. We don't see as God sees We see how we see, and it's easier to accept that. It's easier for me to look at the wrongs of those women and and stand in alignment with them than their end result. It was easier for me to, when God gave me the name Esther, it was easier for me to accept, no, I'll accept the orphan bit, so call me Hadassah. I'll accept that bit, but don't call me Esther because Esther's queen and I'm not of that value. I'm not of that worth. And I rejected it about three times. By the third time, the Lord rebuked me and said, do not reject that name again. But I had to start looking through his eyes and not mine. Because every time I looked through my eyes, I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I didn't feel worth any of it. And there's so many of us that go through a journey where we still see ourselves through our eyes. We look at ourselves and go, right, right, I've run the race and, you know, I've just about made it and I'm here and I'm just waiting for my time. And God is saying, no. As long as you have breath, you have a purpose. Can we go to the next slide, please? So these are just some of the things 
that he is saying through his eyes who we are. We're a child of God. We're redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. We've been set free. We've just sang about freedom. I wanted to get up the chair, but because of my heels, it would be a hazard. To have freedom, to have freedom that we haven't even had to pay for, he has. To have freedom where we can scream his name, where in some countries they can't. To have freedom where we can express his love and receive his love is amazing. When you never had it, when you've been controlled and manipulated most of your life, we weren't even allowed to go and wear the clothes that we chose to wear. I would come home from school and I would get dressed in what I felt like would be really nice. And I would get beaten and sent back and been told to wear what they had chose. It was so controlled. So to have freedom where I can stand here with the microphone and I won't because it'll hurt your ears, but scream, it's huge for someone who has been limited and restricted for most of their life. We have freedom. Can you imagine? We've actually been chosen. He chose us. There was a time when he came and said, right, I need you. Some of us may have been brought up in church, so we don't know anything but him. Some of us went into the deep and the dark and did all of that and saw that world and saw that realm and then come to know him. But when you see him and acknowledge him through his eyes, it is completely different. If you can go to the next slide for me, please. So, through my eyes, I was battered, bruised, raped, molested, lost a baby. Everything through abuse. That was through my eyes. But through his eyes, he's saying, I have a destiny far greater than what you could ever imagine. Actually, what he says is he will turn everything around in our lives for his good. For his good. Could you imagine me, filthy, dirty, slandered God in every sense of the word, swore that I would never serve him. Cursed him at times. Did things that I knew would offend him and hurt him. Yet he still saw me in a certain way. He still looked and said, actually, Raj, I need you. I need you. There's a plan and purpose for you. That's why I formed you, because he knew the end result. He knew who I would be, not what I was doing or what was being done to me. He knew who I would be. So he already knows my end. So the fact that I can stand here before you and say that I'm a wife and say that I'm a mother to an amazing 
an amazing little girl, my seven-year-old Abigail, who would have wanted to come tonight, but she had a school play, <laughs> which she was part of, so she needed to be there. Multi-award winner. That even to me is surreal. That one of the couple of years ago, to, um, 2016, the Lord said, "I'm about to take you forward. Stop being in the background." And as much as I was a very public person, I was still very hidden. And from 2016, someone I don't even know, up to this day, I don't know who it is that's nominated me for the awards that I've won. And it's not my, it's not about me. Do you understand? It's actually him and his glory and his light. And all of it goes back to him because my thing with God has been put me on a platform, whether it's one person, 50, 500, I will always call your name. So some places I'm going to, I'm going, listen, you may never call me again, (laughs) but I guarantee you're going to hear the name of Jesus before I leave this place. And that's how I, I live because I found through his eyes, I am valuable. I'm actually precious in his sight. I actually realized that what he gave my family was a jewel. It's just that they didn't see the worth or the value to it. But that's okay. Because there's a point where he says, I'm removing you. And I don't think if I stayed at home and everything was the way that I wanted it to be, I would have ever left. Or I would have ever given my life to him. Does that make sense? So for me, I used to do this thing when I was young. And um, I don't know if you guys remember Bewitched. Do you remember? I used to love that program. And I used to wish I was her. Or there was one where they, I can't even remember what it was, but she used to like join her fingers together and it would change whatever it was or freeze the 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 time at that point and then she'd go back and change what she wanted to. So I grew up with this idea that I had this magic wand because you do (laughs) and I would wave this wand about and in my mind I would change what's actually taking place in reality and it was my way of coping so every time my dad said he hated me I would wave this wand in my mind and actually my dad said he loved me and every time I got sexually abused I would wake up and I would scrub myself until my skin was raw But during that process, I'd wave this wand and actually it was just a bad dream or I watched a bad movie. And I did that most of my life. So when I became a Christian now, um, there was always this what if for me. And I remember the Lord saying, it was seven nights dreams he gave me. And on the first night, because he comes to you in what you know. He'll speak your language. So for me, he gave me this wand and he said, change anything and I will tell you what the outcome is. So my first thing was, oh my gosh, I'm going to change from when my grandfather died because then if he didn't die, everything would be wonderful. But it changed the end result, which meant that I would live this life of whatever it would have been and it would have been perfect in my eyes and I wouldn't have needed God and every night he showed me different things and every night I'd go no don't want it don't want it and I would go crazy waving this one like take it back to what it was because ultimately it would change what I have with him 
And there's not been anyone that's come in my life that has done what God has done. So when he says he's the restorer of our soul, it's, it's, it truly is the fact that he does that. So for me, it's about what is he saying to you tonight? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself through your eyes? And if it's through your eyes, is it in alignment with him? Or is it through your eyes, which is the hurt, the loneliness, the brokenness, the rejection? You may not have been abused the way that I was, but you may have gone through something else that's traumatic for you. So how do you see you? Do you see yourself as beautiful? If I came to each of you and you go, you're so amazing, would you just, yeah, that's God bless you, and it go over your head, because we do that. Or would you really receive that in your heart and say, Daddy's saying he loves me. Daddy's saying that actually I'm beautiful to him. And that's why he formed me. And that's a tough question to answer Because then it means that we have to go to those places that we've kind of just pushed in those cupboards that nobody really sees other than us. And you know that it's overflowing, but you daren't open it. (laughs) Because if you do, you don't know what's going to come out. What are you giving to your father? What are you giving him? And I put a challenge out to you tonight. Let him for one second... For one second, show you you through his eyes. And in that one second, if it doesn't align with what you see, be challenged to receive that. It took everything for me to receive what God was saying he saw through me. Because it wasn't what I saw. I saw myself as ugly. I saw my, because that's what I was told all my life. I was told that I was dirty. I was filthy. So I believed those things. So that's all I saw. So when God's given me something different, it's a bitter pill to swallow. When you're changing your eating habit from junk, which is what I used to do, to all of a sudden healthy eating, it tastes horrible to stop. Broccoli is not nice. It's not. I could eat a bag of Haribo's and not think twice. Sit there with vegetables and I'm suffering. But it took a while before I started to see what he was doing. Transformation in our lives have to take part in order for us to see exactly what he wants us to see. So I am available. I haven't shared, obviously, everything of my book because it's out there for you to buy. (laughs) And I have to say, everything that is sold out on that table doesn't come to me. It goes back into the work that we do. Um, We help women that have gone through domestic abuse, forced marriage, human trafficking. Um, We run programs. We run training. We run all sorts of help. We are in the process, God willing, pray for us, that we are in a position to open up our first women's refuge. That will be God's home. It's called Grace House. Um, So Grace House will be opening, and it will be God's grace that will be the, the most pinnacle of that 
house and that's what we'll be running is his grace so we will accept everyone from all walks of life and let God show his love himself to those women thank you so much